Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. We've all been waiting for a report that uh, has surfaced uh, in regard, uh, this was obviously in regard to what had happened at Pride last year and the police response to that. Uh, we had seen a police report coming up earlier, or came out earlier on that basically said everything was procedural, everything was okay, and then an independent report that came out yesterday and was presented to uh, the uh, Hamilton uh, uh, police board it it now has uh, gone through that process and we're starting to find out more about it and uh, it is obviously a failing grade which has drawn an apology from the mayor and from the chief of police here's a clip from police chief eric gert as chief i take full responsibility for what took place at pride before during and after and i do apologize to the community for inadequate planning and preparation for hamilton pride 2019 I acknowledge that our relationship with the Two-Spirit and LGBTQIA plus communities has been significantly damaged as a result of what took place at Pride 2019. We recognize it will take years to rebuild our relationship and earn your trust. I am committed to doing the hard work required to rebuild and restore that trust that has been broken. Lila Miklos is with us, member of Hamilton's Two-Spirit and LGBTQIA plus community, former chair of Hamilton Pride, and is with us now. Lila, thank you for taking the time. Hope you're doing well. I am. Thanks, Scott. So, your thoughts on what has transpired here, your thoughts on what has come out last night at the uh, board meeting? Well, yes. The Hamilton Police Services board meeting yesterday uh, was... uh, I'm, I'm going to try to make sure that I use words that are acceptable on radio, um, was very discouraging, disappointing, and disillusioning to watch as a Hamiltonian. Um, the lack of leadership sitting around that table was, um, it would be laughable if the consequences of their lack of leadership weren't so frightening and scary. Uh, just hearing the comments back from some of the members of the police services board and the lack of um, critical analysis from them, uh, in response to that report from uh, Scott Bergman, the uh, lawyer from Toronto, uh, what was very telling. And I, some of the things that really stuck out that were particularly painful to listen to was our mayor focusing on the fact that, yeah, all these things that you mentioned, but, you know, I noticed this one little paragraph here that says that, you know, when the police officers arrived, uh, they followed their procedures when they actually arrived and saw the scene. They, they didn't ignore people, right, right, right? So to already absolve himself of any responsibility. Yes, you played Gert's apology. I've heard so many apologies from our chief at this point. I'm apologied out. Um, hmm. if, if you really want to do something that uh, says something, resign. At this point, you're just an embarrassment. You've mishandled this file so badly. Um, there's you have no weight or authority in your position in the way you're, 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 you're handling yourself in this entire matter. So I went to go look at um, the budget uh, for the Hamilton Police Services, um, and our chief gets paid over uh, $260,000 a year. If you're paid over $260,000 a year and it's plus $15,000 a year in benefits, this is this is not acceptable leadership on your part. You're not earning your paycheck at this point. Do you feel positive about what this report has brought to light? What it has confirmed? Um, that we needed to spend over half a million dollars on a lawyer from Toronto to validate the voices of uh, our two-spirit and LGBTQIA plus community. 
um, is a sad state of affairs because it, it's not telling you anything that we haven't already said. So, yay, great. We spent all this money to, to just reiterate what we've already been telling you. I think the more troubling part is in some of the recommendations. So um, I would frame or use the analogy of the queer community's relationship with police is kind of akin to having an abusive ex-boyfriend and you telling me, hey, I know that abusive ex-boyfriend was really abusive, but maybe if you go back to being their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever again, and partner back up again, they'll be less abusive because they've really demonstrated they've changed their behavior. No, no there is no demonstration of change behavior. There's lots of flowery language and statements that are absolutely meaningless because there's no action behind them. There's no accountability. There's no taking ownership for your behavior and your actions and how you have mistreated the community. Um, so it, it's, it's meaningless. It's, it's yet another, I've read a boilerplate statement. So yay, I've done my bit for ending homophobia in the city. No, absolutely not. Do you find that, you know, you mentioned the amount of money that was spent on this report just to confirm what, what the community already knew. Um, that being said, is this a, is this a turning point just because of where society is right now? And because, well, blammo, there you have it. There it is in the report right there. I think there's a lot of, um, residents of Hamilton who've been watching this entire thing play out and have been disgusted and horrified by, by the actions of police, by the actions of our, our civic leadership in response to what happened in Pride and everything that's been happening since, the yellow vesters that hang out in front of City Hall, the incident that happened at Mohawk College when Maxine Bernier came to speak. Um, over and over again, we seem to be more interested in protecting people who speak hatefully and um, do hateful things than in protecting our marginalized communities. And the, the most cynical attempt at this was uh, Councillor Collins, who sits on the Hamilton Police Services Board, put out these overtures that, oh, I'm going to propose some 20% decrease of the Hamilton Police Services budget, which many marginalized community members said, great, this is wonderful. Well, let's talk about what we could do with that money. And then when he actually speaks up at the meeting, he says, oh, I'm only going to put this forward to show you that if you cut 20% of the police services budget, that's insanity and chaos will ensue and our entire city will be on fire. I'm like, mm. really? Really, Councillor Collins? It was so... If the movement wasn't cynical enough to begin with, then it just became paternalistic and condescending and obnoxious. Um, so there's, there was no commitment from anyone seriously sitting on that police services board to really take a really critical look at that budget. So if you look at that budget, because I went back to look at their meeting minutes from their uh, 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 December meeting, because they had to start making some budget decisions. So right now their operating budget uh, is budgeted for $165 million. And $159 million of those dollars goes towards staffing. And they have a capital budget of $39 million. And when you break down some of what, what that capital budget is about and look at it point for point, there, there are things that you could say, really? Do we really need to spend money on that? Is that really something that's going to help our community? And, uh, you know, right now as we watch the entire world respond to uh, police brutality and finally, you know, collectively as a whole, the world is sick of seeing video after video after video of police brutality against black people. 
and they have spoken up and they have risen up during a global pandemic and put, putting their lives at risk because they said, you know what, uh, speaking up for our, our fellow black uh, um, brothers and sisters um, in solidarity and saying enough is enough is willing to risk our lives for because this is important. And so what do we see in response? We see image after image after image of police forces using tear gas, using rubber bullets against their citizens. So this says to me, we have something really rotten in the core systemically about what police do, how they function, how they operate in our communities, how they operate systemically in our societies, and what is their role and function and what are they upholding. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. You said something uh, which resonated with me, Lila, and and that was um, the analogy of the abusive relationship. Someone who's been in an abusive relationship and then they're apart and then it's, well, that person's changed. Go back and, you know, again, we know, we know where that leads. Um, can you see a way forward here? Well, because we are, you know, as as a white person, as a white guy, I'm seeing this resonate a different way within just my own being. So is this a turning point again, considering where we are? You would hope it would be a turning point, but I was not getting that signal from the members of the Hamilton Police Services Board at that meeting. Um, At one point, somehow the conversation went in some weird sideways directions where certain members of the board started talking about their anecdotal stories about their black friends, which just got really uncomfortable and gross. And again, just talked about how out of touch they are uh, with the realities of marginalized communities. And this, this speaks to the lack of representation sitting on that uh, police mm-hmm. services board. They had the opportunity to have uh, a brilliant mind like Emil Joseph, who's a professor at McMaster University, who comes with that lens of personal lived experience, but also comes with that background of that critical analysis. That was not happening with any single member of that police services board, whether they came from city council or they were appointed by the province or they were appointed by the city. It was completely disgusting and distressing to hear what was being said at one point. God bless her. Pat Mandy said, oh, Scott Bergman, I I see at one point in this report, it says that uh, there's a public perception that we're all a bunch of rubber snappers. And he said, yes, that that is a public perception. She goes, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, oh, boy. Um, Hmm. um, We're not seeing that body being a critical voice coming from the citizens to the police to really ask those tough questions to say, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Now, I know as a board, they're not allowed to get into the the operational things of the day-to-day operations of the police, because that's not their role. Ultimately, the chief reports to the board. They can ask critical questions of the chief, like, what the heck's going on? Why are you doing this? But I was not getting any sense of critique coming from them. It was sort of like, yes, thank you. Good job, everybody. Yay to go. Look, you know, like a pat on the head and here's a cookie. Um, no, no, this is this is so embarrassing. What happened in Hamilton with Pride uh, last year became international news. And I remember when uh, back just shortly after 9-11, when the, the Hindu temple was firebombed and I heard the news and my my heart just dropped to the floor and I was 
completely embarrassed and utterly humiliated that this is this is this is my city making international news for racist behavior. And then at that point, the um, the mayor at the time formed, and I think it was Bob Wade when that initial incident happened. And then the community came together and formed SHCI, Strengthening Hampton's Community Initiative. Now, when I sat on the community roundtable of that, uh, as a representative of the queer community, there was a lot of talk at the time about making sure that institutions like the police force had representation within their staff. So we saw black faces and brown faces and indigenous faces and queer faces there. And the politic at the time was feeling like if we have the representation in that force, then the system will change. Well, it's been nearly two decades. And what we're seeing is the system of policing as is representation doesn't change these systems. It, there's something fundamental about policing and what it reinforces and does. And I'm going to wear my socialist hat now in, in doing a, a little critical analysis of this. So the police, what they're there to uphold and reinforce is capitalism. And capitalism, if we really take a look at it really hard, is upholding and reinforcing colonialism and white supremacy. So these things chase themselves around in a circle over and over again. And there isn't that really hard think about what all these systems are holding in place and who they're holding down and who they're oppressing. And I don't think our current leadership, I don't think they're really built for that conversation by everything they've demonstrated thus far. I don't think they're even interested in that conversation. You know, I think we're getting sidetracked here, Lila, but what you just said, does that not just, does that not mean that anybody in this community cannot be a part of colonialism or the influences that it brought with them? Or, you know, again, I'm not sure I want to waste the time going down that discussion. I want to concentrate on this report. So let's bring it back. Um, uh, what now? What now, Lila? I mean, the report's here. Um, how do we move this forward? I think there needs to be a change in leadership. I'm looking forward to our next election because I'm, I'm getting really tired of this um, nonsense that's been going on. Uh, because even when, when the incident happened at the Hindu temple back shortly after 9-11, um, the, the condemnation from, from leadership was immediate. There was no question about it. There was no, there's two sides. There's everyone's got an opinion. And now we've, we seem to have devolved into that uh, back when I was uh on the uh, Pride Organizing Committee the last year I was on it, there was uh, an incident where we were, our parade was marching down uh, James Street North and we had an incident with soccer fans. Uh, immediately, the police, we didn't need to tell them there was a problem. They just immediately formed a wall of police between us and uh, um, the soccer fans who were trying to uh, cause violence to the Pride Parade participants, the mayor and the police chief at the time called me personally to say, are you okay? How are you doing? What can we do? How's your community? We're making statements immediately, unequivocally, this was wrong. And, and I keep hearing all this, you know, oh, well, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And if, you know, uh, hate crime is really hard to lay down and there's a lot of gaslighting which which the uh, yeah. report called out too where we were told like oh we can't we can't take a you know we can't lay a charge unless you come personally to the police station and fill out a report we can't just make a charge based on video evidence which scott said no that's not true um so it, it's it's beyond beyond disillusioning to have a police force whose role in in you know is to serve and protect 
who are they serving, protecting? There's many in our community say, not me. Hmm. And, and Lila, I'm that- going to have to cut you off there. Oh. Just simply, we're right up against sure. the news here. Uh, but we will chat again. Uh, uh, this is an important discussion that has to just keep moving forward, and, and I don't see how it can turn backwards now. Uh, Lila Miklos has been with us, member of Hamilton's Two-Spirited LGBTQIA plus community, former chair of Hamilton Pride. Lila, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Be well. Uh, you stay safe and keep well, too, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.